podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Wednesday is 12.30, it is time for the Wednesday Axon Bulletin. I'm joined by Amy Canavan, and as if by magic, I'm just about to be joined by Kevin McCluskey. Kevin, how's it going? Hey. Hello everyone, yes. Hello. Oh, yeah. Hectic morning, so <laughs> apologies for being slightly late. <laughs> Talk about timing, it was good to have you on. Uh, Amy, how are you doing? I'm alright, Colin, yeah, how are you? Ah, not too bad for a Wednesday, we've reached it, we've reached hump day, it's all downhill to the weekend from here. <laughs> Uh, we've got two big games to talk about tonight, not just the men's game, but we'll also be looking ahead to the women's game, which is a historic first for Celtic women's football, with it being played at Celtic Park. We'll also quickly we'll also discuss this Super League. Um, I mean, two days is an incredible amount of time for a league to be formed, completely collapse and then just fold. That's, that was an incredible story. If anyone hasn't seen what could have potentially have happened. Uh, David Claxon was on the Smart Money podcast on Monday night discussing the ins and outs of the business side of what could have been the European Super League. I mean, I, I don't know. Has there been quicker celebrity weddings than uh, what was the, the European Super League? Uh, I mean, it just feels as if this was... Uh, it came, it was here, and it went. It, it took Jesus longer to come out of the, the tomb once he'd been killed. <laughs> Kevin, what happened to you? A European football expert, tell us, where did this all go wrong? Uh, it probably went wrong just because he didn't invite Ferenc Faros, obviously the <laughs> biggest club in European football now. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I personally, I'm glad that it's all gone wrong. I think the idea um, itself was, I think everyone said they're viewing it. I'm, I've missed your podcast actually on Monday, so I'll need to catch up on that. But... Um, yeah, let's see. I'm, I'm glad it's gone wrong. I think for once the big clubs have finally taken notice of their fans. Um, certainly, like your, your English ones that have pulled out already. But they should know what the fans want before they even sign up to something like this. So it seems like it was something that was doomed to fail from the beginning. 
but I've also got a sneaky suspicion that was the plan all along because it'll um, press for other reforms in the Champions League so they'll basically get a European Super League by the back door through that and Amy, there was an interesting discussion today on Sky Sports, and it's one of the reasons it's part of the subject title today, that the Super League puts to bed any plans for Celtic and for Rangers to break away from the Scottish League. Uh, we've discussed this several times on here. For me, I personally think that Celtic and Rangers should work on improving the Scottish game, um, because that is where the, the, the kind of history is there. It's what fans are kind of used to, I don't think there's that much of an appetite for Celtic and Rangers to, to leave and to go down south. Do you agree with that then? Do you think that is another avenue for Celtic and Rangers shut with this sort of... I, I can you even call it a formation of a league? It didn't really happen, did it? It's an odd one, isn't it? I think um, the term put to bed is quite strong. Um, and I'll be honest, probably until this... Banner was probably created. I, I didn't really think that this had any sort of impact on putting Celtic and Rangers in the Premier League to bed. When you listen to it, and I understand why that sort of claims came around, and they're saying that's because then there'd be no promotion or relegation, really. How do Celtic and Rangers get into the, the, the Premier League or English football, albeit fairly? Um, and I'm, obviously, I do appreciate that, but I didn't see this as, you know, that sort of signpost or signal that, that this is the end to it. I personally feel it's inevitable. I'm, I'll be honest, I'm with you. I, I don't want it. Um, but I, I just, I still feel it's inevitable. And I think as Kevin's sort of saying, the whole, yeah, maybe this sort of version of the Super League's failed, but this is far from done. Um, I can see that there's probably a little bit as well that they probably did anticipate this to happen. And there'll be, hey, there'll be a few happy that you like your Ed Woodwards have stepped down um, and there's a little bit of clearing out there. But um, really, I, I, as Kevin says, I, I do see some form of. Super League, Atlantic League, whatever you want to say it. I don't know what they'll, they'll rebrand it or whatever, but there's going to be something else come out of this. Obviously, there's UEFA sort of rejigging Champions League and, you know, there'll be a combination because at the end of the day, maybe not in this way that it's all about the rich getting richer, but it'll maybe be more the bigger clubs getting uh, a better protection. I think what this whole league had the potential to do was move football away from what it was traditionally formed for the, the art of entertainment for your local and you could say working class, you could say lower class, you could say any sort of class of people. It attracted everyone to it. Whereas there was going to be so many people that were going to be priced out of it. As I said on Monday, I could see Man United if they didn't get the ability to play out of Manchester, they'd have moved to Bangkok, they'd have moved to the States, and if they couldn't use the Man United name they would use Red Devils. So it would be like a game of Pro Evo from back in the day, Kevin. You know what I'm talking about there. Um, it, it would have been like the Bangkok Red Devils or something like that. And we'd have just totally lost all the history of what it was. Now, Demet Desmond walked away from an Atlantic League. <laughs> is that something we can say, Amy, is that he maybe realised ahead of time what the potential of this could be and you kind of got to give him some sort of credit for thinking of the fans? Yeah, I think, like you say, anybody, anybody in these football clubs, and as it's came apparent over maybe the last more twenty-four to thirty-six hours, that anyone who actually understands football in these football clubs knew that this sort of reaction was coming in from the fans, and that the fans wouldn't appreciate. It. You know, the, the guys that are putting all these plans forward, if it be 
you know, I, I'm picking on your rude words and you look at it's the Americans, the, the Glazers, they, they have no care for, for what football really is. Um, and it is no surprise that it was the Americans that really put this at the forefront, the, the Liverpools, Man United, because this Super League, whatever imagination this was, it was so Americanized. you know, the only thing that wasn't really was the website. Did you ever get to catch that? Yeah. I looked like I'd made it. Um, honestly it's like a university thing it really does that was so so poor Um, so like I say it wasn't football guys who were really pushing this at all so yeah then maybe maybe they'd foresee something in the fact that you know the fans wouldn't appreciate it but and yeah, if you like, if you like, you can give them credit for that. But I think if you asked almost anybody in the football sphere if they would appreciate this, then it's a it's a big it's a big fat no. Kevin, did you have any fear that Celtic would be involved in this at any sort of stage? Um, did did you ever think that this was something that would maybe come up as the team started to drop out and they'll maybe look to start filling up the roster once again? That teams like Celtic would start getting an invite. The reason I'm going down that route. Is it was an interesting point raised by the is it Michael Kerrithan? I probably pronounced that incorrectly. Who's the head of UEFA? Who came out and said yesterday it's all about the the teams like your Celtics, like your Ajaxes, um, who really have the history of European football um, and having them part of the tournament is part of its its sort of I'm trying to think the the right term here part of the specialness of the tournament. <laughs> for me, I'm, I'm sitting here going, if Dermot Desmond was offered three hundred million pound to go and join this Super League, he would sell his soul. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think if that offer was made to him, he would consider it big time. Um, I'd like to hope he would be able to read the room, though. Kind of like Amy said before about uh, the Atlantic League and walking away from that, because. If you think the Liverpool fans would be against it, I think the Celtic fans will be ten times more against Celtic joining such a league. It kind of it goes against everything that we think Celtic stands for. It goes against everything that we think the game of football stands for. Like you said the so the, the history, the heritage of the game, being the working class man's game. You just completely take that away. So I think any club that sells its soul and joins this league. Well, is it? they've sold their soul. They're not the same club. If Celtic did it, I think you'd be very tempted as a fan to walk away from Celtic because it would no longer be the club that you fell in love with. So uh, I really hope that if we were ever asked, it would be a, a straight no. I, I think personally I'm delighted that it's not going ahead. Um, I think the, the fan, uh, what was it they called? Legacy fans. The power of the legacy fans has really shone through. And... I feel sorry for these apparent 16 to 24 year olds that will now no longer watch football as Florentino Perez said because there's no European Super League I'm absolutely devastated for them Amy you fall into that category, is that you? No more football for you? Uh, you know that's me done was quite, <laughs> I was buzzing to look forward to Liverpool v Real Madrid every week Like that, that in itself, you know it just takes it all away, I don't want to be seeing I don't want to be seeing Celtic Barcelona every week. I don't, because my God, it's going to be a scalping every week. Once or twice every three years, then that's, that's painful enough. But it's not. And, you know, they can say what they want and try and blame it on that on the demographic, like you say, that I fall into. But, you know, we've had severe talks about it at uni and I've got a lot of friends who, sadly enough, actually, probably their English team is maybe over 
more their more their big club than than their Scottish side, and and they didn't want that. You you don't. It's just it's a nothing. It really isn't. And as as you say, it's fantastic. To be honest, it has fell through, but. Um, I think more than anything, like it, it can't be forgotten what they, they tried to do. And I, again, it's going to be hard. How do the disciplines and how do the sanctions come into place? Because you can't really deduct points or anything like that because it's taken that's taken out on the players and then the management. And they've been the ones that have came out straight away. You know, you look at Jordan Henderson calling a meeting with all the, mm-hmm. the captains of the Premier League. So you can't really put fault to them. They've done everything they can because at the end of the day, that's not what they... You listen to James Miller in his post-match interview. This is a guy who started off his career at Leeds and then he's playing Leeds and you're drawing 1-1. You can't be deemed a super club and Leeds, well, to be honest, Leeds are fantastic. If you're talking about super clubs, then you're looking at your likes of Leeds. You're looking at West Ham. You know, I'll be honest, I look quite fondly at Tottenham Hotspur. You can call them a super league club. <laughs> My God, that's an absolute disaster. That's not um, a super league club at all. And that was the next version of Wednesday Dance, brought to you by Amy Caravan. <laughs> uh, it's a new, it's a weekly feature here on the Wednesday show where Amy has a wee minute and a half rant about something. Uh, last week's was Joe Ledley. Go back and see that. I don't want to set her off oh. again. <laughs> but a great point brought up here by the Duda Bides, uh, and it's a fantastic avatar. UEFA should now be called into account for years of pandering to the big clubs, making it virtually impossible for small teams to compete. Now that's that's spot on. Um, when you look at it. The rumours that are going round at the minute is that UEFA offered these English clubs more money to come back under the UEFA banner. So when you look at it, to put a, a bow on this Super League scenario, have the big clubs just got what they wanted at the end of the day? Kevin? If they've been offered more money to come back or to stay in the UEFA competition, then yes, definitely. And that's what I was saying earlier on that perhaps that was the end goal anyway like, the European Super League is, is their, their vehicle to get what they want from UEFA because by the back door the Champions League is pretty much a, a closed shop now anyway so if all they're interested in is generating more income which I think they are, that's the whole basis of the Super League, then UEFA has just handed it to them on a, a silver platter Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that Daza G here saying football without charging the fans six hundred pound for a virtual season ticket is nothing. I, I was, I, I did find it really funny that Man United are trying to take the Jock Steen quote: "Football without fans is nothing," and attributing it to Sir Matt Busby. Um, that seemed to go down very well on social media. But it's a great point, but Daza G, and it brings us on to our next topic today, um, which alludes back to Celtic, as some people are asking for in the chat. Um, and looks ahead to the forthcoming games. Now, a Celtic State of Mind has taken the option tonight to not cover the men's game. So Celtic are playing Aberdeen tonight up at Pataudry. It's live on Red TV for anyone that's watching, and it is a pay-per-view price of £12.99. So Celtic away to Aberdeen, £12.99 if you want to buy it. You'll have Aberdeen commentary, It'll be pretty biased, as you expect, from a club channel. At a Celtic state of mind, we've taken the decision to instead support the women's game. As Celtic women's have a first, uh, their historic first game at Celtic Park against their rivals from across the city in a Glasgow derby. Amy, it's a big, important step in the women's game tonight. A historic first, the first time that the girls will run out in front of, unfortunately, what is an empty Celtic Park. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. I'm, you know, the SWPL are making great strides this year. You just need to. You you look at the way that the league stands right now. Obviously, Glasgow City and both Rangers are it's as tight as you can possibly get at the top. I think it's only goals for that's that's separating them. Celtic sitting in third. You know, Spartans and and Hibs in particular, especially Hibernian, they um they've been outstanding these last years and, and they've been the big guns and, and they're struggling. Um, Rangers and both Celtic, they've um, really stuck a lot of money into this and it's fantastic to see the girls running out. Um, like you say at Parkhead tonight. You just need to look at the TV coverage. Um, like you say, there you go. It's on Alba again, but it's absolutely fantastic. They're getting there's a sports scene every week now um, with Jane Lewis, and the highlights are, are phenomenal. Um, I, I'm delighted. I really am. It's it's great. You, you look at the strength actually right now of Fran Alonso's side, and it's believe me, it's a hell of a better watch than watching the guys. Um, there's some fantastic players in there, and especially if you look at them at the weekend destroyed Spartans 5-1 and I mean destroyed at Ainsley Park it was an outstanding performance so yeah it's fantastic that Axel covering it tonight and, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it I really am and just to clarify the point here that Paul's just bringing up we're still supporting and covering Celtic but not prepared to pay another fee for a game on top of the season ticket BT Sports Sky Sports Premier Sports and various club channels it kind of goes down the route of what we were just discussing about this European Super League is it was another way for fans to have to pay more money to support their team um, and instead what we're saying is we're going to be covering the game it's live it's on BBC Alba as Amy just said Kickoff tonight is 7.35 we'll be live on a Celtic State of Mind round about 7 o'clock um, where we'll have a team that will be dedicated to covering the game what we're saying or what I'm saying actually this doesn't this isn't completely a Celtic State of Mind's point of view but I'm saying if you're not going to be watching the Celtic men's game tonight think about perhaps donating that money that you would be paying to Aberdeen tonight, to your local food bank, to your local charity. Give them the chance to come out of this pandemic in a better stead by giving them the £13. I know other teams have done it up and down the UK and it's raised a fantastic amount of money. So this is an opportunity for us to sort of put it out there that there is other ways of watching football and let's give the women's team um, a bit of coverage, which they've, as Lamy quite rightly said, has deserved considering that they'd actually got a better chance of winning the title this season than what the men's team did. Um, Amy, you mentioned that they're five points behind Glasgow City and Rangers. The previous fixture, Celtic won 1-0 with a penalty from Summer Green. If the crowds were open to attending this game this evening, what kind of crowd do you think that would be? I'd like to think there'd be a, a solid enough crowd. I really would. Um, like you say, Celtic are the only side of, of defeated Rangers women this year. Um, they've they've put put together a really decent side. They beat Hibs at the weekend, and like I say, Hibernian have been absolutely outstanding over the last few years. You know they've had runs in Europe. I spoke to Captain Joel Murray um, just a matter of weeks ago, and the facilities Hibs are really right at the forefront, pretty much with Glasgow City. Um, it's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And 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 women's football, and they, they always have been ahead of South Rangers, and it's been quite shameful actually how far ahead Hibs really have been. Um, so yeah, it speaks volumes. It's just how how well it, it's long overdue. But the when Fran Alonso came, I think he's been in the role eighteen months now, maybe two mm-hmm. years. Um, he's been absolutely outstanding. He's building a really solid team. Um, there are some exceptional players on, on that side. Um, and and you know it's 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 great. I'd like you know you'd like to maybe see around twenty thousand, but perhaps that's being a little bit hopeful. But it all depends on on money and and costs. And obviously, it's not, well through here, it's a nice night. I don't know what it's like through there. Um, but I, I I would absolutely tune in. And I, if I was through in Glasgow, obviously, I would I would absolutely be there because the talent is it's honestly it's so so far better than you know you can see a few comments coming in and it's a little bit stereotypical but the women are, I can assure you they're putting on a better performance than the guys right now yeah and uh, there's a point coming up here from John Paul Connors Kevin £13 for a dead rubber league game again we keep asking Celtic what the additional value is some people will say well it's not up to them Aberdeen's got the rights to price it at whatever they want um, Celtic shouldn't really be in the position to complain considering they don't make their games available to anybody that's not a Celtic season ticket holder you can't actually buy a pay-per-view game uh, but I can understand the the decision that's been taken by the team here to cover the women's game tonight and in my opinion there is every chance that the audience figures for the women's game tonight will top the men's game. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think they probably will. It's the only game in town, really, if you think about it. I mean, the Celtic uh, men's game against Aberdeen, there's nothing at stake on it. Um, we'll probably talk about it later, but I don't know if Kennedy's going to make big changes to the team that would get you excited that maybe some young boys will play. But at the end of the day, win, lose, or draw that game, it changes nothing for where we're finishing in the league. But the the women's game, the Glasgow Derby, that's the big one. It really is. So uh, I think it's a great decision by Axom and the, the team to cover it. Um, definitely I'll be tuning in and giving the girls my support and hopefully they'll get the result like they did at Ibrox. Yeah, so the, the last game played it, I think it's, I don't even know what they call it now, is it Ockin Harvey? the training ground and Celtic usually play their own league games at Cape Park and East Kilbride so this is a, a big opportunity for the girls to step out onto the hallowed park um, the hallowed pitch sorry at Celtic Park and show what they can do Kevin Amy said roughly she reckons maybe 20,000 if there was no, no restrictions I'd be hopeful tonight. I'd be hopeful hopeful of 20,000 sorry hopeful. if there was no restrictions tonight do you think yeah. if it was something that was on the season ticket and the games were played at Celtic Park you might be able to see a fairly decent crowd turning up to these games I think so, yeah. For this game in particular, so your your Glasgow derbies, your game against the probably Spartans, the Edinburgh City, you're going to get big turnouts for those games, for sure. I think you're looking at you get five to ten thousand easily on a regular basis that go through for something like that if it's on the season ticket. 
Yeah, and we will be. Oh, sorry, Kevin. So as, far, as far as I'm aware, sorry, as far as I'm aware, the standard is pretty high. So I, I don't really watch a lot of the games, but I watch some of the highlights, and it's a good standard. You know, I've I've watched worse over here in the men's game, so it's it's definitely an entertainment. Watch the worse over here in the men's game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think is it this is the first season that both Celtic Rangers are now fully professional teams. It previously was only just Glasgow City. I think that were semi-professional. They paid some of the players, but not all of them. Now the players are getting a wage for playing for Celtic. And you can only see that over the next couple of years, this is going to improve. The women's national team far outperformed the men's team for a number of years until this summer. So, yeah, definitely one to tune into tonight. We will be live at 7 o'clock on A Celtic State of Mind, um, where we'll be covering the women's game against their Glasgow rivals in the SWPL so tune in for that one moving on to the men's game though and Kevin I'm going to start with you I've seen an interesting topic on social media um, and (laughs) good timing there Derek Eccles coming up here on the screen saying he never wants to see Celtic uh, Scott Brown in a Celtic jersey again he's finished and signed with another team this is almost the Scott Brown derby tonight isn't it the Celtic playing Aberdeen do you think we'll see Brown leading the team out this evening? Personally, I wouldn't play him tonight. I would just take him out the limelight for this game. Um, I think Brown's professional enough that he wouldn't let it get to him and he would put in the performance that he normally would. But you know that if he makes any sort of mistake, the media would pick up on that one. The fans will pick up on that one. So it's probably the perfect game just to take him out, bring somebody like Sorrow back in, give him 90 minutes in the team since he's going to be there next season you would presume so yeah I mean I, I just I just wouldn't risk him tonight Yeah it was interesting seeing what John Kennedy had to say in his pre-match press conference yesterday uh, to quote him he says we'll make some changes in the coming games with a consistency to go out and win the games and represent the club properly representing the club properly I mean what what exactly does that mean? Well What's, what's, what's the case of the season been? You know, like you say, this is what we're in now, mid-April, and you're coming out with statements like that. It's worrying. Is it expected? Probably, yeah. Um, it, it's disheartening to hear. It's not what you want to hear. Um, I think we've touched on it as well. I think Kennedy said there was possibilities for, for change, but you, you look at the depth of the squad, it's not that great. Um, it's really not and then in the same sort of breath he's saying that you still got to be looking for a little bit of consistency you're trying to stick some wins together at this stage of the season my god talking about consistency this has been a season that we are in April and we still do not know who our number one goalkeeper is consistency you're playing three different goalkeepers out of five games you know over that that Christmas sort of period so it's now now is not the time for consistency or calls for consistency um, I'd much rather see like you said, would I maybe play Scott Brown tonight? I don't think I would. I really don't think I would. At the weekend there for the women, Chloe Craig was captain and I'd much rather have her inside. Like she was absolutely exceptional. So I'd keep an eye on her tonight. She puts in a hell of a performance. Um, and so, you know, really in midfield right now, would I have Scott Brown? I don't think I would. Another part of the the interview which was very interesting with John Kennedy was the fact that he said that Tom Rogic wasn't fit for the game at the weekend yet was still on the bench. 
Kevin, we, we can't go into these games having players that we know just aren't going to come off the bench. That's another option. You've surely got to bring someone up from the youth academy, from someone that's potentially not even in the matchday squad, if he is unavailable, because you don't just travel with a 20. You see it where some other players come in, and if they're not part of the squad, they go and sit in the stands. Why did we keep Tom Rogic on the bench for the weekend? I've got no idea. If he's not fit, he either shouldn't travel, or like you say, he just shouldn't be on the bench. We've supposedly got a pretty good youth system, but we've failed to see players coming through on a regular basis. So I don't really see the harm in sending somebody like Ocoflex or Dembele. There you go, you're on the bench. Chances are we'll put on Griffiths anyway before you. But they're there, they're an option if the game's going well and there's a chance to bring someone on. Why not? But yeah, having a, an unfit player on the bench just doesn't make sense. It's not the first time it's happened this season either. I think in the, the first game against them at Celtic Park earlier in the season, we had guys that were potentially not going to play any minutes, but were on the bench to make up numbers. And that's doing youngsters out the chance of actually maybe getting their chance to shine, coming on, maybe making a difference. Just because it's a big game, it doesn't mean that you've got to carry passengers. And if that's the case between now and the end of the season, we shouldn't be carrying any passengers. Um, we, the point coming up here from Eric Barron saying Kennedy doesn't have the courage to play a second, and we'll put it in Neil Lennon air quotes, courage to play a second team tonight in a dead rubber. Absolutely ridiculous. I guess that kind of goes on the point that he says that he wants to go out and win the games, he wants to represent the club properly. But when you look at it, there's probably a couple of obvious changes for tonight's game, Amy. I mean, for me, the first one would be at right-back. I would be dropping John Joe Kenny and giving Anthony Ralston the chance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll be honest, I don't really care if I see Laxalt or Kenny on a Celtic shot again. Um, you know, you're talking about looking forward to tonight's season and all this sort of stuff. Albeit, if, if Ralston's contract, I think there's a possibility it's maybe up in the summer could be wrong don't quote me on that but this, these are the sort of games for him you know you're talking about passengers as well for um, in, in the midfield with Rogic you look at young Montgomery on the bench absolutely but why, why does it just have to be Montgomery um, you know all we sort of talk about we talk about quite a lot um, is that there is such a lack of youth football um, you know you look at how disappointing it is that there is no sort of reserves league now um, and that if it's a you know, an under twenty ones game or an under twenties game or an under eighteens game. I think the under eighteens when we played Hibs um, mm-hmm. just yesterday. yesterday like yeah. say at, at some crazy time of the day. So, you know, we can't sort of wax lyrical about there not being a reserves league. These guys aren't getting a chance. Well, we have however many games what was it four games or something like that left. Mm-hmm. Let's give these guys a chance. At least have them on the bench. So they're not getting game time anywhere else. So, nah, I wouldn't be having Ken um, John Joe Kenny starting. I think that some. So who said that that um, John Joe Kenny is just Everton's Anthony Ralston or something like that? I heard that yesterday, and you know it's not hundred percent wrong. You know he came in, he wasn't wasn't the worst, um, done the job. Um, obviously we needed somebody at the beginning. I still said give Ralston a chance. I think he's quite unfairly criticised, but I think now you know he came in to try instead do the ship, probably try and win the Scottish Cup. That's failed. So yeah, let's why not give uh, Ralston a chance? He's well. I would say he's fit because he's on the bench, but who knows? Maybe he's not fit and he's just sitting on the bench to keep that seat warm. You can't even really say that now. So 
yeah, like you say, he was in the match they squad at the weekend. Fantastic. So I, I'd stick him out tonight. And then, as I say, on the other side, uh, Greg Taylor has to be a starter. And if he's not, then wow. I think when you look at Anthony Ralston, he's one of those players that it's like when you're playing in a kind of Sunday league team, you just know he's always going to turn up. Now, no matter if he's in the squad or if he's not, he's just going to turn up. And if he doesn't play, he'll sit and support you. Um, and then eventually when you've got a couple of injuries, you've got to throw him in. And that's where Ralston seems to come into the kind of equation at Celtic. Now, I'm saying play him tonight because I'm now of the opinion, and I, ha- I think I have been for a while now, that these loan players, there's every chance they're not going to be here next season. So why are we getting them fit for their own teams to send them back? We're not going to get a chance. The season's done. We're not going to have any opportunity to win a trophy this season. You may as well give the guys that are going to maybe leave in the summer, like a Ralston, um, like some of the younger players, the chance just to kind of put themselves out there. I think Ralston's got another 12 months on his deal. So if he has maybe three or four good games between now and the end of the season, maybe you've added an extra 100, 200 grand onto his asking price. I mean, it's not—it's a shop window. It's exactly what we're doing. It's what Kenny Dalglish done a way back in 2000, and the last day of the season, Celtic played Dundee United, which was my first game at Celtic Park. And I think the average age of the boys that went out to play was like 17, 18, until Henrik Larson comes off the bench to prove himself for the Euros. And Paul loves to bring up the point that. Uh, Henrik Larson came on with a moustache in that game. It was one of the few games that Henrik Larson had a moustache. Um, but as Jungle Lion says here, Kennedy thinks he's still in with a shout at the job, so won't rock the boat too much tonight. <sighs> Is he still in with a shout at the job, Kevin? I hope not. <laughs> I hope he's not. I don't think he's proven himself over the time that he's been here that he's, he's good enough to take on the the responsibility on a full-time basis. I think I think we've improved a little bit since he's taken on the job on a caretaker basis, but I think we had a pretty low bar to start with on that one. Um, I'm going to have to be two seconds. My cat is <laughs> ratching away at the door, so if you bear with me, I'll come back and answer that. That's the cat <laughs> trying to get into the first team for tonight's game. That's right. um, probably talk more sense than me as well. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Kevin so Burns saying, "Oh, sorry, Kevin, on you go." I was going to say, yeah, I don't think um, I don't think Kennedy's done enough to prove himself that he's he's good enough for the job. We've, so we've probably improved a bit, but we had a low bar to start with. He hasn't made any big decisions or any risky decisions. He hasn't done anything in the game to change it when it's not been going our way. So I, I just don't think he's he's got what it takes to be the main man. He may very well be a good coach. Sorry. <laughs> That's the fourth guest on a Celtic State of Mind today. What's, right. the cat, what's the cat called? Uh, the cat is called Pirlo, after Andrea Pirlo. <laughs> Probably got a fantastic left peg at so, Pirlo as well. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're, we're looking at putting the team together for tonight's game, and we started with the fullbacks because I think they were the sort of problem areas for Celtic at the weekend when you look at the game against. Um, our rivals across the city. Um, it's where a lot of the trouble came from, especially um, the goals. The goals came from basically our left-hand side where Diego Laxalt, I think for me, completely sold the jerseys. I, I wouldn't put him back in. I, there was a bit of a discussion um, between myself and Laura Bradburn a couple of weeks ago where she said that if she could pick one of the loan signings to keep, she would pick Diego Laxalt. And um, yeah, <laughs> that was the kind of reaction I had as well, Amy. Um, so I think she's now changed her mind. Um, she'll probably come on and defend herself on Friday when she's on. Um, but yeah, 
of all the players now, I think if you were to keep one loan signing for me, it's definitely Elanoussi, and we'll get to that later on. But the fullbacks for tonight's game, Amy, you've went with Ken. Sorry, you've went with Ralston and Taylor. Kevin, are you agreeing with that? Yep, I would go with that. Um, on the similar basis, I probably wouldn't have either of them play for us again. If they're not going to be here next season, don't play them. Play the boys that are going to be here. So, building up the, the back five then, we'll start with the goalkeeper. Scott Bain came in for a bit of criticism after the game on Sunday. Kevin, is it time to maybe give Barkas a couple of games between now and the end of the season? Um, as Highland Paddy says here, start the 10-man in goal for the last four games, nothing to lose. Maybe he'll pull off a save. Yeah, he's another one I would play. And I would have been playing him probably for the last month or so. Uh, I'm just not a big fan of Scott Bain. I think he's a good second choice keeper to have good backup. He's not he's not got the class to be the first choice at Celtic. I think Barkas obviously hasn't covered himself in glory so far this season, but his performances previous to signing with AK Athens I think showed that he is a top class keeper on his day. Uh, he just needs to have the confidence of the defenders that's in front of him, which he didn't have earlier. So again, if you spent five million on a keeper you're probably not going to recoup that this summer. He should be the, the number one going forward and he needs to get the last four games under his belt to get his confidence back up. Amy, you've got Barkas, Bain and Hazard. Which one takes the gloves for you tonight? Lucky dip. Um, I, I I can see him maybe going with Barkas. I think if anybody that's, you know, he's talking about a little bit of um, change um, possibilities. I think that's probably where it will be. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm saying that there's not a lot of strength and depth in the <laughs> there's not a lot of uh, strength and depth in the squad, so perhaps that is where he's looking to. I'll be honest, I quite like Hazard. Um, I do. I don't think he's done an awful lot wrong in, in his games. He's young. Um, you know, keep battering on about youth, but with Barca, I spent an awful lot of money on him. Um, and as Kevin said, there is a goalkeeper in there. You know, AK Athens. There, there was a player hence why you know Celtic weren't the only club looking for him um, and Athens certainly didn't really want to let him go either so it's tough I don't know you don't really know what sort of mindset he's in it's, he's been dealt a, a hell of a lot of criticism um, and we can we can say all we want but you know players pick up on this of course they do uh, and it, it's, it's been plastered absolutely everywhere it's pretty unavoidable for him so maybe right now it's it's not for him as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Um, and maybe it just needs a little bit of a solid summer, but right now, I'll, let's just... You'll probably go somebody else, so I'll, I'll go Hazard. Just let's shake things up a little bit. <laughs> so you're going with Hazard. I'm I'm going to go with Barkas. Um, I think you've got to see what you can get out of him before you make a decision on his future in the summer. Hazard will definitely be there. Um, so I think you know what you're going to get out of him. Let's give Barkas another chance for the next four games. So, I mean, the centre-half pairing picks itself. Unless someone's going to come in with a wild suggestion here to play Shane Duffy. <laughs> Tell me none of you are doing that. No. 
I'm not talking off mints in this program. I'm not going to suggest you nothing. So it's definitely going to be higher in Welsh at centre half then. We're agreed on that. Yeah, I go for that. Yeah, okay. Right, okay. What formation are you looking at playing, Amy? I'll start with you. Are we going to go back to the four two three one, or are they going to stick with this diamond that clearly didn't work against Rangers the other day? Yeah, I didn't really see how the diamond sort of came around. Um, I understand it was it, it was obviously it's all for the two up top. I appreciate that, but I, I personally I wouldn't go for that. I think if you look at Aberdeen at the weekend, um, you need to remember obviously they are still in the Scottish Cup, so they'll be looking forward to their game. I think they play on Sunday against Dundee United. So mm-hmm. you know Stephen Glass has to have an eye on that because at the end of the day that that's their biggest goal this season. It's nice for them to still have a goal, so they they'll have an eye on that. But if you look at um, Aberdeen at the weekend against Livingston, I think Young McCrory had to play uh, right, right back. back. Yep. So you're, if that happens again, you, you think you kind of want to, you know, nullify him there. That's not his natural position. Done an all right job. He really did because Livingston, big um, Jet Emmanuel Thomas up top. He's um, he's a little bit of a handful, and you know that backline did deal with it sort of well. So. But I, I'd be looking to, to really nullify McCrory, especially if he's still playing in that right-back role. So for me, no, the diamond not. I'd maybe go 4-2-3-1, yeah. Kevin, 4-2-3-1, diamond. Are you going to mix it up and play something totally different? No, I'm going to go 4-2-3-1 as well, I think. Uh, especially, and I don't know if he is, but if James Forrest is fit for this game, I haven't... No, he's him. out. So both him and Mikey Johnson are out for tonight's game. Right. I'd still stick with four two three one because I, I, I don't see the diamond as being something that really works for us. Uh, and Sunday showed that we had absolutely no width, and it's not a Celtic team if you don't have width in it. For me, it's one of our sort of forties as we're getting down the line, getting in behind the defences. Four two three one can give us that. I think a bit more than this diamond formation that's not really worked. I was speaking to the boys at Red Tinted Glasses, which is an Aberdeen podcast, um, to Glenn and Callum, shout out to them boys, um, the other day, and they were talking about the Aberdeen team that they're going to have for the game tonight. Now, they look as if Joe Lewis won't be playing. Um, he's out with a rib injury. And as you said, Amy, the fullback area is somewhere where they're quite weak at the minute. So I think if you do play the four-two-three-one, then you've got that chance to attack them where they are at their weakest Um I don't think the diamond works, as Kevin was saying. There's absolutely no width. Um, the, we tried to play the width by playing Laxalt and then it ended up costing us for pretty much both of the goals, I'd say, at the weekend. So um, that that just didn't work. Going back to the four two three one, we just mentioned Brown not that long ago. Is Brown in your side for tonight, Amy? No, Cal Mack and Sorrow. Cal Mack and Sorrow. Kevin, is that something you agree with? I will second that, yes. I, I actually think we're going to see Scott Brown tonight. No, uh, I think he will play. Um, and as Jungle Lion says, Sorrow has to start the next two games. I would start Sorrow and Brown. I think it's time we give Cal McGregor a rest. Um, I think for me, Cal McGregor's biggest thing coming up isn't with his club; it's with his country. I think he's he's looking forward to the Euros. He's played a lot of minutes for Celtic this season, um, and for me, I think there's a chance to give him a rest ahead of that. And I'd rather he had a great Euros um, than played in four rubber games between now and the end of the season. Anyone fancy arguing with me on that one? Uh, I will to a degree. I would play Callum McGregor tonight and rest Scott Brown. And then the Rangers game, I would do it the other way around. 
and give Sorrow both games because I, I definitely think McGregor needs a rest because what was it he's been the most played footballer in European football for the last three seasons consecutively or something like that so I mean I get it he's a young guy people don't think he can burn out but the minutes he's played I think he probably can and he needs a rest but uh, just because it's Aberdeen tonight and the whole Brown situation with them signing for him I'd take him out and then you know that Brown's going to play at Ibrox anyway in that game mm. Kennedy wouldn't leave him out of that one so I'd, I'd be more inclined to say let's take McGregor out from that game and put Sorrow in Point getting brought up here by Adam Crockett what is the problem with Ralston has he had terrible games in the SPFL I didn't see he's been fine domestically I think half of the issue here is that's all we're really looking for for performances at the minute is for them to be fine they don't have to be outstanding they don't have to be 7s and 8s out of 10 they just have to be fine because some of the players that have played for us this season it's been 3s and 4s Amy yeah absolutely Um I, I totally agree with that comment and that's what I'm smiling away at. I've been quite in the in the Ralston camp all along, you know. I think everybody just automatically goes and thinks of the PSG performances, but domestically he's done all right. I think, you know, is it St. Johnson and Dundee United and a few comments are coming in, but if you, if you speak to I've got um I've got some of my friends and, and they were more than happy with them as you say done a job. Right now you're not really needing somebody to walk in and be a 10 to be a starter. Um, of course, you would like that, but you know, give, give the guy a chance. And it's been a long time since those, even that, that PSG game. It's been quite a, it has been a long time. So, guys, develop. You look at you, you look at the turnaround of Sorrow. We had no idea that that, that player was hidden in there. It doesn't take a, an awful lot of time if people are concentrating. So, I, I understand that it's sad to see that we're sort of accepting fine as a performance at Celtic, and and it's not the level that I want to be at. I'm not supporting that at all but right now is there any is there really a better option and I think that's more than anything maybe it's not right to say that fine is the standard that we're looking at right now but I do I do sadly believe that it's kind of where we're at yeah and it's not the case of fine being acceptable but when you look in terms of this season if you just had some fine performances then it wouldn't be as bad as the kind of scenario that you find yourself in. It's the fact that we're, we've had so many players that have put in terrible performances week in, week out, and continued to get selected right up to the point where it was almost inevitable that they had to be dropped. Uh, I mean, if you were performing well and you had a fine performance three or four weeks in a row, suddenly your, your position's up for grabs, somebody would come in and try and replace you. Uh, but... I'd take fine between now and the end of the season. One, because it's complete dead rubbers. Um, and two, because it's probably an upgrade on the player that was probably in that position beforehand. So it's not acceptable, but it's just kind of reality to the way that this season's been. So you guys have went with Sorrow and McGregor. I've went with Sorrow and Brown. Fill in the three in front of that, Kevin. Who have you got? Uh, I'd be the usual suspects, probably, for me. I would have... Uh, against my better judgment, Ryan Christie on the right, Elianisi on the left, and Turnbull in the number ten. Amy, we had a bit of an argument last week on Ryan Christie. Um, yeah, that we'll, was. We'll just, put that to bed. Yeah. We're friends again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was obviously the impression if um, Forrest was was um, available or not. So of course, if, if Forrest's out, then you're you're turning to to Christie absolutely. So yeah, I do agree with Kev, especially the fact that. Again, Forrest is definitely out. And then um, 
as we said, we need that little bit of width and you just need Ryan Chrisley to really to use his pace and, and to try and stretch the, um, the, the Aberdeen back line. We go back to the comment that came up um, about 10 minutes ago about Kennedy being scared to play a, a B team. If he was to play and make some of these changes as he suggested in his press conference, could one of those positions be in that three? Could we see someone like Karamoko Dembele, Armstrong Okoflex, um, or even Adam Montgomery coming in and playing on perhaps the left-hand side? What do you think, Amy? I'd like to think so. I don't get any impression from that. Um, I think, if anything, the curveball, I can see it being Tom Rogic. I really can, especially the fact that he brought him up. Um, I understand he was talking about a niggling injury, but he's, you know, he's sort of doing that, like looking back to past performances. Now, Rogic has probably enjoyed some of his best performances against Aberdeen and is quite a fan of Pitodri, absolutely. So I think if anything can possibly maybe see him. Um, but, you know, you could chuck in any name right now. You, you could chuck in Dembele and nobody can really say, oh, what an outrageous call. There's no such thing really as an outrageous call right now. This is guesswork, as we all said. It's dead rubber games. And, you know, if Montgomery got a start or if Dembele got a start, nobody would really be that against it. I certainly wouldn't be. Um, so yeah, it's just it is, it's, it's more a lottery than ever for this game, absolutely. Kevin, is that maybe on you go, Kevin? Just going to say, I was just thinking as we were answering that we've just given, as I said, the usual suspects as the team. But previously, we've been saying it's the perfect game to give some of the young boys a chance. So we've mm-hmm. kind of contradicted ourselves there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the that midfield three, the three I think it will be. Um, but like Amy says, if Dembele, Okoflex or Montgomery get a chance you wouldn't be surprised at it and you would really encourage that as being the way forward for this game Yeah, when I look at it as well I mean, I think the the chances of the youngsters getting a shot for this game will come from the bench I think you might look to the bench tonight and go so many different names that we've not seen this season. Looking at the pictures from training the other day, Montgomery was there, Murray was there, and also young Owen Moffat was there as well. I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see one or two of these names pop up in the bench tonight um, and maybe given 15, 20 minutes um, later on in the day. So I don't know if they'll maybe start. Kevin Graham's side comes up here with Barkas, Kenny. Kenny, someone we said that probably wouldn't play tonight. Welsh, Ayer, Taylor, Sorrow, Cal Mac, Turnbull, Christy, Moy and Ayeti. Now, I think the three that we discussed there with Christy, Turnbull and Moy will be the three that we go with. But it does come down to who is the lone striker up front tonight. I think Edward had one of his poorer games um, at the weekend. What he was doing for that basic empty net finish when he tried to flick it with like the back of his foot, that was unacceptable. <laughs> Just put your foot through it and get it in the back of the net, get us back into the game. The penalty as well was really, really poor. I think he knows his time's up. It's almost like when you're in school and it's the last couple of days of school um, and you know there's going to be absolutely no work getting done. Um, Kevin, back in your day, it would have been the old video coming out and you've been watching an old video. What would have been like Gregory's Girl or something like that? What, what, I'm not what that you... old, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, you know what I mean. It's like the last couple of days. Most people don't even turn up. Um, back in my school, you got a big game of rounders on the football pitch. That's just the way it's going. And Eddie kind of put in one of those performances where it was just, I'll turn up, that's me, I'm done, and off you go. When you look at it, 
is Griffiths or a Yeti going to be a better option than what he's going to offer us tonight? Start with yourself, Kevin. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, I kind of agree with Kevin Graham's team, apart from um, Kenny. I'd probably be favoured to go with Ralston, but I'd go with I'd have a Yeti as my forward for today. Uh, I think Griffiths has had these chances. He's had. I think we spoke about this the last time as well. I think he's had he's had a lot of chances, and I don't see him having a big future at Celtic anymore. So I'd be inclined to again have him as a sub, maybe sort of the impact sub for the last twenty minutes. But yet he's the boy that we spent the big money on, same as Barkas. So you've got to give him these last four games to try and prove that he was worth that money. Um, and again, he's another one that I think there's a player in there. I think there's a goal scorer in a Yeti. I've not seen enough that I can (laughs) probably argue my case, but I just, I think there's a player there. And he scored goals at the start of the season. He was scoring uh, the the poacher-type goals. So he's probably a player we need to play more to his strengths, but he definitely give him a run of games and just let him see what he can do. Amy, Griffiths is someone who looks to be out of contract this summer. Um, And we've already mentioned about playing players that we know will, won't be there next season. Is Griffiths included within that camp or has he still got a chance to prove himself to win a new deal for next season? He has had an awful lot of chances. Um, nobody can really deny that. Is he away in the summer? I, I really, honestly, I have no idea. I really don't. I, I don't. I think it's... I just don't want to really still put him in that bracket. I really don't. I see him starting tonight. Um, I think we're talking about the frailties of Aberdeen back line um, and I think Griffiths will stretch that a Yeti won't a Yeti as a poacher again obviously then you can you can the other side of the coin is that it's going to be I don't even know who Aberdeen's second choice keeper is but or third choice whoever it may be um, he'll be in goals so you know maybe this is a game for a Yeti to try and get a few um, a, a few taste tally um, which is been so depleted so recently but personally I'd go Griffiths I just think he's a little bit wiser he'll drift out I think he'll nullify um, McCrory and I'm not just putting pressure there but I, I just see this as sort of being more of a game for Griffiths I really do um, I think a Yeti you, you can say the both of them really a Yeti's had his chance as well he is under impressed um, but I, I certainly I'd, I'd go Griffiths for this one there's an option also to play potentially two up front, as what's been said in the comments. I think for that you'd probably have to sacrifice one of the holding midfielders you guys have went with, Sorrow and McGregor. So let, let's say it's McGregor, right, because I've agreed he should get a rest, so we're dropping him to play a second striker up front. It does then it come into the equation where you play Griffiths and Edward, where they've had that combination up front before? As Gus Fitzsimmons is saying here, play Griffiths for the last four games... Or can Yeti form that partnership with Griffiths and we just say, look, Eddie, thanks for your service, but we don't need you for these last four games, Kevin? I think if you go with the two up front, why not make it Griffiths and a Yeti? Um, Edward was terrible at the weekend. He's been phoning it in, really, for the last few months. Uh, He's playing on reputation at the moment and I don't really think he's delivering the goods and the pitch, he could have had a hat-trick at the weekend uh, and you know I, uh, Edward of last season scores all them it's a different game, this season he just looks disinterested, if he's head somewhere else 
take him out for these last four games. And yeah, if you want to go two up top, it's a Yeti and Griffiths, or you put one of the one of the young boys up there. I think the, the only striker you really got they could play up there is young Owen Moffat. Um, I wouldn't really be up for seeing Owen starting a game. I think the boy's only 17. As much as he's doing really well for the under-18s, it's not the time to throw somebody in. Not up at Pataudry, which is potentially like got the the ability to be one of the closest games I've had um, with them this season. Three each up at Pataudry, two 1-0 victories. They always seem to up their game no matter... Um, what kind of run of form they've been on beforehand and I think it will be a close game tonight for that you kind of want to turn to the experience and then have the boys coming off the bench so I would probably go with a Yeti and Griffiths up front I think that's how we finished at Ibrooks the other day it'd be interesting to see what you could get out of them for perhaps maybe 60 minutes or so and then throw one of the boys on Jungle Lion coming in here saying doesn't matter who he picks we'll all be watching the women's game anyway well we definitely will be here on a Celtic state of mind because we'll be covering that game as we mentioned earlier um, we'll be live from about 7 o'clock remember the game is on BBC Alaba um, with a 7.35 kickoff. Joseph McGonagall coming in saying do people not think Griffiths has had too many chances with us Amy I'll let you answer that one you know he has he has he's maybe not too many chances but he's He's had a hell of a lot. Um, would anybody else really get the chances that Griffiths has had? Again, probably not. Then the club have really stuck by him. Has he done enough in the turn up until now? No. Um, you know, last season, I know I'm just contradicting myself here. Um, last season, he certainly did start to try and repay that. Um, and it looked like he was hitting, you know, great form. You go back 12, 13 months ago and the... the Obviously, who was it we played last? St Mirren or whatever. And then mm-hmm. it was that, right, he's starting, he's starting in the Glasgow Derby and, you know, Scotland qualifier, um, Scotland selection's coming up and everything and everything was going great. And then, you know, the pandemic hits and everything just sort of goes right back to square one. And this season, he hasn't been up yet. But, sorry, on you go. No, no, I was just going to say, on that idea of the Scotland selection, you'd, you'd think that, Lee Griffiths is looking at these four games as his chance to get into that Euro squad. I mean, the worst footballer in the world who still manages to still get picked for Scotland is out of the Euros, uh, Neil Luck McBurney. Um, Lyndon Dykes is coming into a great bit of form at the minute. I think he scored seven goals in his last eight games. Apart from that, what other striking options does Scotland have? You've got Che Adams who came into the squad. You're going to take three or four strikers to the Euros. Lee Griffiths has got the chance to play himself into it. You'd like to think that he's desperate to do that. Yeah, absolutely, and that and that's really my thinking behind why I, I'd have him in here. And again, you can say it's a selfish point of view because I'm looking forward to the Euros as well. But I just think, you know, you're looking at Kevin Nisbet. I think he's almost now a certainty to get on the plane, and and deservedly so. He's had an absolutely fantastic season at Hibs. But if you're looking, as you see, so McBurney's out, so you're looking at Lyndon Dykes and and Shea Adams, and then Kevin Nisbet. I think Ryan Fraser will probably go in the sense of the midfielder. But if you're looking for like that final striker, if there's one position left right now, you're really looking down to probably Lauren Shankland or, or Lee Griffiths, um, mm-hmm. unless something magically comes out the realms if Stephen Fletcher probably comes back we never write him off he gets selected left right and centre and God knows how um, it's been a few years but I would um, absolutely as we say that there is a, there's a space here there's a gap and you know would you take if if there is a fit Lee Griffiths is Clark taking him of course he is you want that goal scorer there he's maybe not done it enough for Scotland but there's that little chink of magic and there's there's something there um, and you'll be very aware of that and would you take him ahead of Shankland? I would you know it's been disappointing I don't know if this year he sort of thought oh, my time's up 
uh, it's not going to happen. Oh, I am, and and the Scotland, and maybe the Scotland dream's dead as well. But Shankland hasn't hit the heights that we're quite expecting no. expected of him this year. Um, and you know, maybe there was a little bit too much in that step up to the Premier League, and he needed a little bit of um, a little bit of time. But Griffiths, there is a missed opportunity, but it's not the door hasn't closed on him yet. I certainly don't think so. So he's got a big four games, and I think this is the time to to really show it and turn that around. And Kevin, as I said earlier, he's probably playing for his future, whether it be at Celtic or he has been linked with moves to Aberdeen and Hibs. Getting yourself into that Euro squad, given the chance to play for your country, the first kind of big tournament that they've qualified for in 23 years, who knows when they'll qualify for another one at this rate. How much more motivation does Griffiths need to actually get himself playing? He shouldn't need any more motivation than that, you wouldn't have thought. Um, and for me, playing for Celtic would be the biggest motivation, and he's had that for the last four or five years. And as you say, he's always needed that extra chance again. Um, but yeah, this summer, if he's got a Euros to look forward to, a once in a lifetime or once in a career opportunity for him, you'd like to think if he did get the chance to play for us again, if he was in the park, he would be giving it his all to prove that he is the Lee Griffiths of two or three years ago that, that could lead the line for Scotland. Yeah, I agree, and for me, he probably starts tonight. That's who I've went with up front on his own. Um, I could see perhaps a Yeti coming off the bench. Edward, he'll be on the bench as well um, for me. So we're going with the team of me and you, Kevin, have picked Barkas. Amy, you've picked Hazard. We're looking at Ralston, Ayer, Welsh and Taylor, which we've all agreed on. You two have both went for McGregor and Sorrow. I've stuck Scott Brown in there. Looking forward to seeing a bit of a feisty one between him and Lewis Ferguson if anyone's looking for a single bet on tonight's game it's Lewis Ferguson to pick up a yellow card he always seems to do it make sure you get good odds and bet responsibly um, a three behind the striker of Christy Turnbull and Elanusi um, and I went with Griffiths remind me who both of you went for again yeah I've gone for a Yeti so two for Griffiths one for a Yeti but interesting to see what team John Kennedy puts on the park a game against Stephen Glass's Aberdeen now in the time since we last played Aberdeen um, Aberdeen have been able to get out get their number one candidate pick him get him to pick his coaching team he's even had time to quarantine before he still managed to take a couple of days training session and then his first game against Livingston at the weekend it's now eight weeks exactly since Neil Lennon left Celtic and we just seem to be no further forward in appointing who the next man will be uh, and if you listen to Monday's club uh, where it was Kevin Graham uh, Russell Boyce and Anthony Haggerty when they played a fantastic game of what was it, Ghost, Phone and Block where basically by the end of the game Celtic had enough players for a five-a-side team uh, for next season so we, we all speak about how big this rebuild job is um, and as I said, 56 days now since Neil Lennon left the club Kevin, looking at the temporary managers that were in place and two of them were Neil Lennon um, it was 76 days his first time round, 94 days the second time round. And if you count Kenny Daglish as a temporary manager, he was in for 112 days. How much longer do you think Celtic fans will need to wait for this appointment? Can we see it probably not coming till the last day after the last day of the season now? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking now. It'll be after the last game of the season. Um, I... The perfect way for us to do it is how we did it with the Rodgers announcement, I think. So if we can get something done behind the scenes and then announce the manager on the Friday 
Friday evening before the Scottish Cup final and get us in the back pages on the day of the Cup final uh, with the new manager. That gives us a real boost because otherwise, you know, we've got nothing to look forward to over the summer. So that gives you the boost. Uh, you've got the new man in and then on the Monday morning you get your season ticket renewal forms through the new manager's signature in it. I think the printers will be doing well to get that done over the weekend. Um, And I don't even know if you get renewal forms sent out now. I think a lot of them's done online, but I I get the the point you're making. Uh, Amy, 56 days, seven weeks exactly. It's now came out that Sky Sports and the SPFL have agreed for the teams to be able to put these virtual season tickets out for next season. One of the things that we believe was holding up the season ticket announcement We've spoke before about whether you would put the season ticket announcement alongside the managerial announcement. Is it just a case of sitting on our hands and waiting a bit longer now? I can see it happening. You know, we've said that all along. It's going to, um, it's going to come a part of season tickets. Of course, it is. That's the time. Like you say, it's been seven weeks now. So, what else is there really to wait for to uh, that milestone? If not, because why would that have not been done up until now? So. You know, it's just like you say. It's been a it's been a long eight weeks, but you're going to have to get closer every day. You're surely getting closer to the announcement. So it's just it is a waiting game now, but it's just it's getting tiring. It really is. And just that point that was brought up by Mo Dornock there. Apparently, since we've came on air, Peter Grant has left Aloha. Rumours of him. I think that was a couple of weeks back. Um, that he would be part of Eddie Howe's coaching staff. It might be something that we see over the next 24 hours that comes together um, as maybe part of Celtic's backroom team for next season. I think we're going to have to wait, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if an announcement just came out of the blue. Considering we're not playing at the weekend, maybe something to get Celtic back in to the sort of back pages of the papers. Um, Yeah, what we got here, Joy Division 61 the board must have been looking for a new manager long before Lennon left I, I'm really sorry Joy Division, I love your username but uh, the the love of that will tear you apart because <laughs> from what we've seen, Celtic board are just not prepared Kevin, are they? they? There's no chance they'd someone lined up No, I don't think there'd be any chance of that Um You'd like to think that that was maybe the case, that they could see that things were going wrong and they would have wheels in motion for something and someone to come in. But since it's, they went straight for Kennedy and it's 56 days and for seemingly no further forward to getting someone in, I'm not sure they were that, that prepared. Manavchik25 coming in saying probably done and just waiting for the backroom team all in place. That could be the case now that we see um, Peter Grant leaving Alloa. Um, nearly the entire scouting team all sacked after Sunday. <sighs> Look, this is the thing now. Every day that it goes with Celtic not appointing a new manager, there's going to be um, new angles to this story coming out left, right and centre. The one that I couldn't believe anybody fell for um, was the article in this the I can't even say their name in the newspaper down south. Um, I, I hate that newspaper. I've, I've made this clear on several occasions. But basically, it was sponsored by Paddy Power, um, which linked Jose Mourinho to the job at fourteen to one, all with the idea that Paddy Power basically paid for that story to be in the newspaper to get some people to go on and throw a five or a ten at it, get the odds down, and get people talking about it. It summed that newspaper up for me um, that they'd sell themselves out to a betting company to do that. But Amy, as this continues to go on, and 
looking at the, the history of how long we've waited for an interim manager to be replaced by a full-term manager, we could be another 50, 60 days before we get this appointment. There's going to be so many different names thrown in um, between now and the end of the season. Absolutely. We spoke about this, that this managerial cycle, circle, whatever you want to call it, was coming. Um, probably started a little bit more prematurely than any of us expected. And like you say, Mourinho will be on the first one. If any, like say, it's just a disaster. And if anybody even thought about sticking money on it, it just sort of speaks volumes. Do you have an absolute clue what is going on in the, in the football world right now? Like, no. Uh, I think if you're going to stick money on Mourinho becoming the next Celtic manager... Just donate it to a charity. Put it into your local food bank. Kevin, it's not happening, is it? I don't think it is, no. Um, but funnily enough, I uh, ran a tongue-in-cheek poll on Twitter about that, asking if Celtic fans would take Mourinho on Monday. Um, 56% said yes. So <laughs> there, there's some people out there that would that would have him. I think if you, if you asked Amy whether she would... Um, fancy a date with Joe Ledley she'd say yes but <laughs> I don't know if she's got a better chance of that than Celtic getting in Jose Mourinho as their next manager maybe maybe <laughs> but look there's going, <laughs> there's going to be some interesting um, developments over the next 24 hours uh, when it comes to Celtic whether this Peter Grant story will grow legs who knows I mean it only took one league two days to get all over the news and have governments absolutely scared I'm trying not to swear here. Scared to their to their bones at the fact that they might actually leave their own league. So anything can happen in 48 hours in football. Tomorrow, Paul John Dykes will be back with John Paul Mason and with Declan McConville as they look at the results of both the men's team against Aberdeen and the women's team against Rangers tonight. Good luck to both teams. We'll be back live at 7 o'clock as we look forward to Celtic's women's side versus the their City counterparts, Rangers at Celtic Park. The game's live on BBC Alba at 7.35. We'll be live at 5 past 7. Kevin, Amy, thank you once again for joining me this Wednesday. We're halfway through the week, guys. It's all downhill to the weekend from here. Um, But until tomorrow or tonight, if you're going to join us, everyone, please stay safe. And as always, a massive hail hail. Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.